Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. On today's edition of the Pig Pen Podcast, why I am worried about the quarterback position with the Washington football team as it relates to what their plan is this offseason, plus a dream scenario from yours truly on how to fix the linebacker position with the team. All that and more coming up on the Pick Ben Podcast. Drag up that diesel. What is good, Washington football fans? This is the Pig Pen Podcast. I have been on a bit of a hiatus, about a month, just kind of chilling, relaxing, allowing uh, myself a little bit of a break to decompress a little bit from the NFL season. Uh, But that month has come, that month has went And it is time to really start diving into some of the off-season happenings and off-season dealings of the Washington football team and how they should go about certain things. As always, if this is your first time listening, you can hit me up on the Twitter machine at the Denton Day. Thoughts, opinions, hate, whatever, send it my way. Over there, we will build our perfect linebacking core coming up in a few moments, but I'm a bit worried about the Washington football team's quarterback situation, and it specifically relates to something that we heard on 106.7 The Fan about the team not doing their due diligence or seemingly not being interested in Deshaun Watson, and this is my nightmare scenario. I think this is how things go from uh, solid, bad, whatever you want to call whatever last year was, uh, to significantly worse. And it does not have anything to do specifically with not making an offer for Deshaun Watson. So what we heard was John McClain, who is a longtime NFL writer. He works in the city of Houston. He was on 106.7 The Fan. I believe it was with JP and B. Mitch. Uh, and he said that of the the number of teams that have called Houston, which he said there were five. Uh, I haven't heard the entire interview, but he said there were five teams that have called the Houston Texans about Deshaun Watson. I, I'm going to guess that's just with offers. 
Uh, that that's my official guess, but I don't know. He said five teams have called about Deshaun Watson and Washington was not one of them. And this worries me because even if you don't want Deshaun Watson, right? Even if you are of the the side where you don't want to mortgage the future, the price for Deshaun Watson is going to be too high and it's not worth it. Even if you are in that camp, I would be willing to bet you would still at the very least call Houston just to see what the price would be. And if they say it's something too high, all right, we're not mortgaging our future, hang up and move on from there. You at least have to call because Deshaun Watson is that damn good. I've made it very clear. I want Deshaun Watson. I would love him with this franchise. I think he would take this franchise from the winner of a bad division to a team that could contend somewhat in a very strong NFC. But along with my desire for Deshaun Watson, there are three players that are off limits. Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Terry McLaurin. Been saying this for about two months now. But my issue here with not calling about Deshaun Watson is that it would seem that the team has something in mind already. And they've been very, very quiet. Obviously, we're we're letting go of Alex Smith. Uh, I think that one, you've been able to see that from miles and miles away. The cap hit was too much. And while I think the decision was already going to be made prior to the GQ comments, The GQ comments certainly don't help. So Alex Smith is gone. But my fear is that this team is going to go into 2021 with sort of an open quarterback competition based on the guys that we have on the roster, namely Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke. And I believe that Taylor Heineke has earned the right to be able to compete for the job here in D.C. That does not mean I want him to be the starting quarterback, though. What we saw from him was outstanding. But if we're going to attack the situation from a more realistic perspective, it was more than likely a flash in a pan. He had lightning in a bottle. He was able to do some really impressive things against the Tampa Bay defense but he was going up against a defense that had absolutely no film on the guy. When you don't have any film on a guy, you really don't know what he is. It's very hard to prepare for. If you go into the regular season as a starting quarterback, there's going to be a lot more film on you. And while it's fun to sit here and imagine like, oh my God, maybe this guy, maybe he's the next Kurt Warner. Maybe Taylor Heineke was was going to be Washington's version of Kurt Warner. It's a little different. He maybe wasn't in the supermarket, but he was taking math classes. And now he could be the quarterback that that leads this team to the promised land. It's a fun thing to sit and think about, yes. But again, let's try and be a little bit more realistic here. Do you think that is actually going to happen? Because I can sit here and say that I don't. So while I agree that he is great to have on the roster... While I agree that he is great to have as a guy that can push other people on the roster, I don't see him as a number one quarterback, and I don't want him to be the starter as we enter 2021. The same goes for Kyle Allen, and this is why I'm really, really nervous. 
I think Ron Rivera has done a wonderful job in the year that he has been the coach of this franchise. But there is one thing with Ron Rivera we have all noticed. It's a trend that is becoming more and more obvious to those even outside of our little bubble here in D.C. Ron Rivera really likes the people that he worked with in Carolina. You know, we are a few people away from realistically being the Washington Panthers here. I mean, the almost the entire front office, almost the entire coaching staff of guys that Ron has has brought in, they have some link to Carolina somehow and worked with him when he was in Carolina. That to me is a tad dangerous, but nothing is more dangerous at this point than Ron Rivera's love for Kyle Allen. I don't get it. I really do not get it. I thought Kyle Allen last season, he showed some things where you're like, wow, this is this isn't terrible. But the goal should be this year to move out of the this isn't terrible line of thinking. We should be looking for someone that's actually good. And Kyle Allen, I just don't think he is the guy that is going to bring us to the next level. Ron Rivera was asked, and this is another thing that angered Alex Smith, I'm sure, if... If Alex Smith was necessary to get Washington to be at the top of the NFC East, he said no. He thought Kyle Allen could do it. I don't get it. I just, somebody needs to explain to me what he sees in Kyle Allen that would lead him to believe that he is a true, legitimate starting quarterback in the NFL. Quarterback wins is kind of a sucky stat. Kyle Allen is 7-10. and 10. As a starter in the NFL, he played 12 games. He started 12 games with Carolina in his final year there, in Ron Rivera's final year there. And he started off hot. They won four in a row. You're thinking to yourself, all right, maybe they got something here. Maybe Ron Rivera is just loving that that four in a row stretch and he's holding on tight to it. And that's why he loves Kyle Allen. They drop one. They get back in the wind column the next week. They proceed to lose six in a row. Ron Rivera gets fired. That is what I think of when I think of Kyle Allen. He comes here to D.C. He did some things better than Dwayne Haskins. But if we're being honest, how big of a benchmark really is that? If Dwayne Haskins is the bar for what you need to be at the quarterback, almost everybody in the NFL could have come in and done things better than Dwayne Haskins. It's a very, very low bar. It's a very, very low precedent. And this is coming from a guy that actually thought Dwayne Haskins was going to be a good quarterback for Washington. I was dead ass wrong. Well, Kyle Allen comes in. He wins one game against a really bad Dallas Cowboy who was starting. What was I think there was it was Andy Dalton at the time, and then it was that kid from James Madison that came in. I think that Danucci fella. It was a bad, bad Dallas Cowboy team. Washington wins, but that was the only win that um, that Kyle Allen had here in D.C. So while he might have done some things well. In some of the games he played here, he by no means was this drop dead, you know what, this is the guy we should tie our future to. We talk about not mortgaging the future for a guy like Deshaun Watson, but at the very least, you know who and what Deshaun Watson is as a quarterback. If what we have seen from Kyle Allen is what we know him to be, that's not a good thing. 
but we don't have anything that suggests he's anything other than what we know him to be. One of the things that we saw this season in particular, outside of our organization with the Buffalo Bills, the Josh Allen experience, this is the Josh Allen experience is really going to to hurt some teams in the future. And I was really hoping that the team it would hurt was like the Giants and Daniel Jones. I did not want our organization to factor into and to fall into the Josh Allen experience. The way that Josh Allen took a step forward this year for Buffalo was nothing short of sensational. But it's not a normal thing in the NFL. And I'm starting to get to the point where I am now worried that Ron Rivera is expecting Kyle Allen to take this Josh Allen type of leap at some point. And I just don't know if it's there. And we talk about not wanting to mortgage the future. Well, what is the leash on when we decide, all right, this guy probably isn't the dude that's going to lead us to the promised land. Because at the end of the day, it should be about winning championships. And based on what we saw defensively this past season and expecting our defense to get better, expecting our young guys to get better, I do feel like we are on the cusp of having a championship level defense. I do not want to turn into the Chicago Bears or the Jacksonville Jaguars, the two teams that most recently had these amazing defenses. They just couldn't get the quarterback spot right because they were tied to one guy that they felt they needed to get right. We ditched Dwayne Haskins. There was a potential he was going to be that guy. But Ron Rivera's love for Kyle Allen worries me because if our defense gets to a championship-level defense and we're still trotting this dude out here, I don't think it is going to lead us to the spot we want to get to. And there's a much greater chance that we become Chicago or Jacksonville of the 2021 season. That worries me. Kyle Allen is the guy. He is the the relationship, the girlfriend that you had where your friends in your group chat said, bruh, you got to let her go. Your mom and your dad said, bruh, you got to let her go. Your college roommate that you don't talk to that much, but he's clean and neat. He said, bruh, you got to let her go. And for whatever reason, you just can't. That's what Kyle Allen is to Ron Rivera right now. If it's a quarterback competition, between Allen and Heineke, I mean, Heineke would have to go above and beyond to win the damn thing. The Dwayne Haskins handcuffs are off. I felt like Ron was a little handcuffed with Dwayne last year. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Those handcuffs are off. So Ron can go with Kyle Allen if he really thinks he's the guy. And something tells me if he has the green light to play Kyle Allen, Kyle Allen is getting playtime no matter what if this is the quarterback situation that we have. We can address it in the draft, yes, but if your response or your answer is draft Mac Jones or draft Kyle Trask in the first round, makes me want to vomit. It does. Kyle Trask, not a first-round quarterback. Mac Jones had a really great year at Alabama, but look at all the guys he played with. Look at all the protection he had when he was playing. He put up amazing numbers in the best conference in football, yes. But he's throwing to studs, and he has all the protection in the world. If you go with the Mac Jones pick, he at least has to wait a year. And 
if we want to do the thing where we're going to draft a young quarterback and have him wait a year and then have him take over, you should have just kept Alex. That would have been the easy solution there. But I feel like we're going to be stuck in this wormhole where Ron Rivera just needs to get Kyle Allen to make that Josh Allen leap. And I don't think it's ever going to happen. Just a few news and notes around the NFL, specifically as the uh, as it relates to the quarterback position. Just some guys to monitor. You know, Dak Prescott's a guy, a name that I've seen thrown around on Washington football team's uh, corner of the Twitter sphere. Uh, from one of the stories that I read today, the contact the contract talks are quote progressing and quote better than they've ever been. Now, what does it mean that contract talks are better than they've ever been in like year three of a negotiation? Your guess is as good as mine. But I'm open to the Dak Prescott experience here in Washington if he leaves the Dallas Cowboys because I think then you get two two games a year where Dak Prescott is just going to play bully ball and beat up on Dallas's defense and that should bring a supreme amount of joy to all Washington football fans. I'm with that, although I do think the Dak Prescott market is going to be something that is a little larger than I would pay for him. But still, he is a name to monitor. Anytime you can steal a quarterback and a franchise guy from a division rival without actually giving up assets, that's a win. We learned that we learned that on the wrong side of things from the Donovan McNabb thing a few years ago. But just monitoring Dak Prescott, something to keep an eye on. Jameis Winston is another guy. Just watching, just, just seeing how they're moving over there. New Orleans deems him a, quote, priority. But they gave Taysom Hill starts over Jameis Winston when those starts very easily should have went to Jameis. Why they did that, I have no idea. Sean McV- I mean, if we thought Ron Rivera's love affair with Kyle Allen was weird, whatever the hell Sean Payton has, not Sean McVay, I almost called him Sean McVay, but whatever Sean Payton has going on with Taysom Hill is is much weirder than what Ron has here with Kyle Allen. If Jameis is the quarterback for Washington, first and foremost, he was playing on such a cheap deal this year, you're likely not going to have to break the bank if you pay for him uh, for us this upcoming season. You'll pay him more than the million dollars he got in New Orleans last year, of course, but you're really not breaking the bank. It's not the $40 million or something in that neighborhood that that Dak Prescott wants. But if you bring in Jameis, long gone are the days of the check down Charlie being our quarterback here in Washington. If nothing else, the roller coaster ride that Jameis will put us on will feature throws down the field. And I think that would be to a certain degree liberating. You want to cut down on the turnovers. Obviously, the last time we saw Jameis play full season, he had 30 interceptions. That is not good. Hopefully, he learned from Drew Brees. Plus, we also don't even really know if Drew Brees is retired. In New Orleans, which could have an impact on whether or not Jameis Winston stays. My gut feeling is that if New Orleans doesn't promise him the starting quarterback job for next year, there's no way he stays, which means he hits the open market. He comes to Washington. We pair him with all the the talent that we have on the offensive side of the ball and the talent that we gain this offseason on the offensive side of the ball. And we have a roller coaster ride uh, of an offense in 2021, which at this point is something I would be very, very open to. Uh, Still monitoring as well the Sam Darnold thing. 
I'm not overly hellbent on getting Sam Darnold here, but he is, if nothing else, something to look at. And just to see, like, what are the Jets doing there? Because the Jets seem like they're moving on from him. So Sam Darnold, another guy to monitor. I think we're past the Marcus Mariota craze. And I think we're past the Derek Carr craze. And we weren't named in the five teams for Russell Wilson. If we're not calling for Deshaun Watson, my guess, probably not calling for Russell Wilson either. And I don't think he wanted to come here anyway. But monitor Dak and Jameis. Those are, those are guys to, to be on the lookout for this offseason. All right, let's get to my dream scenario here. The linebacking spot on our defense needs some help. Ron Rivera called them out a couple times throughout the course of the season. Jack Del Rio expressed frustration with certain guys in the position a couple times throughout the course of the season. And if you have eyes and watched games regularly, you also expressed frustration throughout the course of the season with the linebacker position. So here is how we fix this. Kyle Van Noy of the Miami Dolphins was cut earlier this week, or they're going to part ways with him. We can thank the Saints and Darren Sproles for for this Kyle Van Noy situation, by the way. We know that Miami doesn't want to keep the guy, but now they're looking for trade offers because they realize there is a market for him if they cut him. It's the same thing the Saints did with Darren Sproles. They said they were going to release him. We were like, oh, this is going to be awesome. We can go get Darren Sproles. The Saints got word of it. They're like, wait a second. We can actually trade the guy. He went to Philly instead of coming here. So I'm blaming the Saints for, for this if this goes sideways with Kyle Van Noy. But Van Noy is expected to part ways from Miami. He is certainly an option to come in and help our linebacking core. He signed a $50-plus million deal with Miami this past offseason. He made it through one year of that. The benefit, if he gets cut and not traded, is you are off the hook for that $50 million contract if you want his services, which means we would likely be able to get him at a little bit cheaper than what Miami was scheduled to pay him over the next three seasons. So that, right off the bat, that's a win. He has connections to Martin Mayhew. Mayhew? Mayhew. Martin Mayhew. He has connections to Martin. Uh, He's the guy. Martin is the guy that that drafted him back with Detroit. So hopefully there's still some form of strong bond or some bond in general between those two guys. And I really like the flexibility of Kyle Van Noy. He was For a long time, a really great player with New England. I thought he had a good season with Miami, but he can play both the inside linebacker spot and you can move him to the outside linebacker spot and put him on the edge. Let him get after the quarterback if you want to do that in certain packages. That's something that is very, very appealing. I think if you pair him with Jack Del Rio, you get the best out of Kyle Van Noy. But even if you don't like Kyle Van Noy, even if you see him as, as not a real option to fix this linebacking group, Diana Rossini tweeted uh, about an hour ago at the time of me recording this uh, that she talked with a coach and an executive that is anticipating the next few days, next few weeks to be a complete massacre when it comes to guys getting cut. With the salary cap coming down, teams are going to look to save a few bucks and they're going to cut some guys that otherwise wouldn't have been cut if this was a normal NFL season. My guess is that we are going to see at least one to two to three to maybe even more quality linebackers bite the bullet. 
Teams are going to say, look, we love you. We don't want to pay you. We want to pay edge guys instead. They mean a little bit more. And they're going to move on from some linebackers. I think we are in a good spot because we have a little bit more cap room. And because as you look at our defense, linebacker is the biggest hole that we need to fill, that our organization is going to be willing to to spend some money on the position, which is how you get better, right? You have to spend money to make money. You have to spend money to get better at certain positions. So I think we go out and we get a linebacker. I'm curious if Van Noy will be the best guy that's available or if there's going to be someone that does end up as a casualty in this massacre that is a better fit for what we are trying to do defensively. One guy that I I have no insight here, but one guy that I think maybe just maybe could be available, he has a huge, huge contract with the New York Jets. He just opted out of the 2020 season is C.J. Mosley. He doesn't seem like a guy that the Jets would cut. I feel like C.J. Mosley is, in fact, a guy the Jets with Robert Sala and their new culture would want around. But crazier things have happened in the NFL, and it wasn't too long ago when our organization was very much in the sweepstakes to acquire C.J. Mosley through free agency to gain his services. He ends up signing that huge $85 million contract with the Jets. We end up signing Landon Collins to that huge $80 plus million contract. You don't have enough room on our side for both of those. Uh, so we went with one. C.J. Mosley goes to the Jets. If C.J. Mosley is available... And we have the cap room to get him. I think you got to pull the trigger. It was no secret to me in the few games he actually played as a New York Jet. He was the best defender on the field. And he made a noticeable difference playing with New York when he was on the field versus when he was off the field. So if you bring C.J. Mosley into this defense, I mean, now we're cooking with gas here, right? You bring C.J. Mosley in with our defensive line. That's a nightmare for every opposing team, every opposing offense for all of 2021. So if he is a guy that ends up being a casualty in this upcoming salary cap massacre, you got to swing for the fences. But just in general, the first part of building this perfect offseason and fixing the linebacker spot is going out and getting somebody that fits what we're trying to do and a good quality linebacker. I don't care what name you attach to it. As long as the guy can play, you go get him. The next part does kind of rely on forces outside of this organization's control. And this is where the NFL draft comes into play. The best linebacker in the 2021 NFL draft plays right up the road, or he did play right up the road at Penn State, that being Micah Parsons. There is absolutely zero chance that Micah Parsons falls to number 19. But there is a much bigger chance that Micah Parsons falls past Dallas outside of the top 10. And this is where things start to get fun. What we need to happen, what we need to happen is there to be a complete fire sale on the quarterbacks and a complete fire sale on the wide receivers. 
if teams are moving around, if teams are thinking, all right, we have to go get into the top 10 to get a quarterback or to get a wide receiver, it is realistic that Micah Parsons falls outside of the top 10. Once he gets past Dallas, the phone should be should be picked up in our war room. The calls need to be start need to start being made. Start firing them off to whoever it is that ends up with the 11 spot because I'm guessing there's going to be some movement there. Pick the phone up and say, "Look, what is it going to take for us to jump to not from 19 to 11, 19 to 12, whatever." And then go get Micah Parsons. Because of the new rhetoric in the NFL where you need a great quarterback and you need great wide receivers, we are going to see, I feel like, at least three wide receivers go in the top 10. Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida, likely goes in the top 10 as well. And then we might see five quarterbacks go in the top 10. So that's nine spots right there. Cincinnati seems like they're going to draft a tackle, whether it be Panay Sewell or anybody else. So that's 10 guy. That's 10 spots right there. Like it is very, very realistic that Michael Parsons falls outside of the top 10. And then just like we traded up to get Montez Sweat a few years ago, trade up to get Micah Parsons, pair him with whoever we sign in the offseason at the linebacker spot. And then the linebacking position is fixed just like that. And you're doing so at a relatively cheap bottom line, assuming you don't overspend for whoever you sign in the offseason to play one of those linebacker positions that you desperately need filled. It is perfection. A lot of things have to go right. I understand that, but it is the perfect scenario in my eyes to fix the biggest gaping hole that we have on our defensive side of the ball. I'd love to know your thoughts. Hit me up on the Twitter machine at the Denton Day. Do you like the linebacker scenario? Are you worried about Kyle Allen being what Ron Rivera hopes Josh Allen is in the coming future? Hit me up on Twitter. I'll be back hopefully in a week or two with more. Do some more stuff on the NFL draft. It should be a fun offseason. Really looking forward to it. I'll see you guys then.